Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum ya Aba Abdullah wa ala al-arwah allati halat bi fanaik. Alaykum minni jami'an salamullahi abadan ma baqit wa baqiya al-layla wa an-nahar. Wa la ja'alahu Allahu akhir al-ahdi minni li ziyaratikum. Assalamu ala al-Husayn wa ala Ali ibn al-Husayn wa ala awlad al-Husayn wa ala ashab al-Husayn jami'an wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Adam Allah ajurna wa ajurukum bi musabana Aba Abdullah al-Husayn. Sayyidah Shahada alayhi salam Dear respect, dearest respected brothers and sisters, viewers from around and across the world Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Welcome back to the After Maghrib podcast On behalf of the whole team here and of course the entire team at Ahlul Bayt TV We wish you condolences on the tragic demise The anniversary of the martyrdom of the master of the youth of paradise Imam al-Husayn alayhi salam who gave his life to the cause, the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on these days over 1,400 years ago. Dearest respected brothers and sisters, our condolences begin also extended to the holy awaited Imam of our time, Imam Sahib al-Asr zaman who of course we commemorate these days for. We reflect on the days of Al-Husayn salam in order to prepare for Al-Mahdi ajallallahu ta'ala farajah al-Sharif. And with the view in mind that inshallah these coming days, these episodes inshallah which we will engage in with together with yourselves will be for the sole purpose to reconnect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to understand the message of Al-Husayn alayhi salam and inshallah to apply it to our own lives in preparation for the awaited saviour and his holy awaited return. Brothers and sisters inshallah over the coming weeks you will see more content on After Maghrib um, which engages your minds, your hearts and your souls. We will try and understand and, and assess different aspects of the journey of Imam Hussain from Mecca to Karbala and then of course from Karbala to Kufa and Sham between now and of course the day of Arba'in. As always said, Ali and I will be joined by different guests, different speakers, different reciters and at times it will be the two of us reflecting as well. As always, we respect and we appreciate your participation that could be in the form of comments on youtube on social media whether it's instagram tiktok and as always we appreciate those who've gotten in touch to give suggestions to give us guidance as to how we can improve feedback as to who they'd like to see on the podcast and of course what they'd like to see being discussed as as always i'd like to begin by welcoming my reliable and my beloved co-host ali radawi How are you doing, brother? Alhamdulillah, well, it's hit home that we are in the month of Muharram. So, Alhamdulillah, ala kulli hal, I will say that. I will say that. Absolutely, Sayyid. Um, the holy month has come. It feels like something we anticipate for, throughout the whole year. It feels like we've been talking about Imam Hussain for the whole year, and now Muharram is here. Mm. Because we reflect on his message and it seems to be a theme in, in our discussions that we always find the connection between the journey of the holy imam and everything else every other discussion every lesson we learn somehow links back to karbala or can be found in karbala um and now we're finally here and it's you know crunch time yeah haram is here and you know we it's a time where a lot of the lovers of imam al-hussein 
lovers of Rasulullah, lovers of Fatima Zahra await this month. Mm. Because it's not just a month where we wait because, for example, we want to beat our chest or a month where we know we just want to listen to a Musab and you know there's more to it. There is this connection that we have directly with Imam al Hussein alayhi afdal salati wa salam. And you know, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, there's a narration that I remember growing up I've heard mm. where he says, um, you know, surely for the martyrdom of my grandson Hussein, there is a flame in the hearts of the believers that will never fade away. Mm. And this is what it's all about. What I'm trying to say is that, you know, as much as we want Muharram to come, as much as we want, there's a reason behind it. And inshallah, we are those flames that are ignited inshallah. in the love of Imam Hussein. Inshallah, inshallah. And it feels like Karbala and Ashura are historic in the sense of um, a landmark event which changed the course of history, both at the time it happened and of course afterwards. But what I find really interesting is, and I think maybe it's a good place for us to start, is Karbala being foretold by the Holy Prophet Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We know, of course, the story of um, Bibi Um Salama, alayhi yes. salam. And for those who don't know, I hope you don't mind, I'm going to kind of summarize Please the story. Do. But one of the many miracles of the Holy Prophet Muhammad was that he was able to foretell and foresee what was to happen to his grandson, Imam Hussain, and this was done through the angel Jibra'il. So we know, of course, from narrations that Jibra'il brought down the dust of Karbala and he presented it to the Holy Prophet Muhammad. And he told the Holy Prophet Muhammad that this dust is from the land of Karbala, mm -hmm. which will turn into blood on the day your grandson is murdered and martyred. Then, of course, the Holy Prophet presents this to his wife, Um Salama, of course, who is highly revered and respected both in the school of the Ahlul Bayt and Ahlul Sunnah wa Jama'ah. And hadith narrations tell us that Um Salama kept this dust in, in a pot or in a jar for around 50 years, over 50 years. Mm. And when eventually Imam Hussein was martyred and the dust turned into blood, she, of course, was one of the first, if not the first, to leave her house and proclaim to the people about the martyrdom of Al Hussein. And this is one of the most fundamental proofs that we have that Karbala was a, a moment of spirituality and a moment of divinity. It wasn't merely a political battle and it wasn't merely a, a dispute between two parties over the, the small matter of bay'ah or allegiance, but rather it was something which the Holy Prophet knew was to happen and of course was something that was foretold through the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So yeah. If I can just elaborate on, yeah. the, on the, um, the story that you mentioned. And you know, we know the narrations, you know, there, there are some narrations that go in a bit deeper to that point. Yeah. Where they say, before Jibrail gave the soil of Karbala to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he first narrated how Imam al-Hussein will be killed. Mm. And he didn't just tell him, I'll bring you the soil of Karbala. No, the, the exact location, location. of Sorry. where the sacred head of Imam al-Hussein will be severed. Like that exact point. Mm. And Rasulullah with tears flowing down his cheeks, this is him narrating it to Um Salama, mm. that he asked Jibra'il to bring it to him. Mm. And Jibra'il did do so. And after doing that, what does he tell Um Salama? Now, this is, for me, this is the most interesting bit about everything mm. here. Is that he says, those that will kill my grandson, Hussein, are those who claim to be from my, from my ummah. ummah. 
So that goes yeah. to show you, you know, as much as we can say we are Muslim or people rule in the name of Islam, in the name of Rasulullah, okay? Rasulullah is saying a very vital point here that my son Hussein is on the path of Haq mm. and for him to claim those who will kill him claim to be from my ummah means on the side of falsehood. Yeah. So Karbala is like, if I, if I can say it to you very truly and honestly here, there is more to it than just his martyrdom. Yeah. There is truth. And we love the truth. Muslims yearn the truth. And for us to see closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, God wants us to be on the path that is truth. Mm. And for me, that is the most beautiful thing from that narration that you mentioned. I will never forget that. Mm. Because as I said, anyone can claim that they can be Muslim. But when Rasulullah says they claim to be from my ummah, that yeah. is a big statement to reflect on. And there's... There is incredible amounts of hypocrisy found within mm. the battle of uh, Karbala. And like you said, of course, these people who claim to be from the Ummah of the Holy Prophet, the ones who ended up martyring him. Yeah. There's a hadith from um, Imam Sajjad, -Islam, if I'm not mistaken. And he narrates that the most hurtful day for the Holy Prophet Muhammad وسلم, was when his uncle Hamza was killed on the battle of Uhud. Mm. The second most hurtful day was when his cousin... Uh, Ja'far ibn Abi Talib was martyred on the day of Mu'ta and then he goes on to say وَلَا يَوْمَكَ يَوْمَلْ لَا يَوْمَكَ يَوْمَكَ يَا بَعْضُ اللَّهِ There is no day like your day There is no match for Ashura, there is no match for Karbala and then the Imam continues to say he says 30,000 soldiers were mobilized against him claiming that they are part of this Ummah while Seeking nearness to Allah. While Imam al Hussein was giving dhikr and reminding them about Allah, and his goal was to enjoin good and forbid evil. evil, and of course they murdered him sinfully and wrongfully. Mm. And you, you begin to understand that hypocrisy has existed since the beginning of Islam, and it was found no more clearly and visibly than in the plains of Karbala. Mm -hmm. And if we understand that in its purest form, truth can be found in Karbala and falsehood can also be found in Karbala then we begin to develop a litmus test for what is Haq and what is Baatun and I think if we, I, I want to ask you of course but I think a really important place for us to start before we begin these series of coming podcasts is why the Holy Imam actually went to Karbala mm. what, was, what did he have in mind? what was his goal? what was his mission? What was his his objective? And was it purely just to stand up to Yazid? Was it, um, you know, to fight against oppression and all these things? Or was there something deeper? No, so Imam Hussain, you know, very famously, uh, when he embarked on his journey towards Karbala, that wasn't his intention. As in his, his final destination was not go to go to Karbala, it was to go to Kufa. And, uh, you know, he was answering the requests that were coming in from the from the people in Kufa who wanted Imam al Hussein to come and sort out the mess mm. that the rule had on them as Muslims during that time. And you know, some people's hearts changed. I don't know, I'll be honest with you, I don't know the full reason as to why so many betrayed Imam al Hussein after signing those, you know, requests of him coming and they play, pay allegiance mm. to him. That's I guess that's part of Allah's plan, I can say. The, mm -hmm. the, the fact that he ended up in Karbala, you know. And why he went there, and I've said it on many previous other podcasts, and I'll reiterate it, and I keep saying it all over again. Mm -hmm. 
Imam al-Hussein, alayhi afdal as-salati was salam, a point from what you mentioned earlier, he was there to enjoy good and forbid evil. Mm-hmm. But he went there to revive the teachings of his grandfather Muhammad, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam. Because look, I'll be honest, if Imam al-Hussein didn't go to Karbala and if Ashura didn't happen and as brutal as it sounds, if Imam al-Hussein's head was not raised on the spear, we won't have the Islam of Rasulullah, we'll have the Islam of Yazid and Muawiyah. Mm. Let's, let's, let's be honest about this. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the, the, the party of Yazid and his army, they also prayed on Ashura. Mm-hmm. You know, I've read that they also done Salah. But the difference is, you know, Imam Hussein's camp, they didn't attack them during Salah. Whilst the camp of Imam Hussein, when they were praying, the army of Yazid were firing arrows. Whilst Imam Hussein is, 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 you know, establishing Salah. And, and it shows you a very clear image and it's as clear as day, if you, recite, if you read the maqatil, and if you read the historic narrations of the entire battle, is that, and this is the most beautiful thing that I found about this very recently, is that whenever Imam al-Hussein had the opportunity to himself, which was very rare, it was, all, it was always in supplication to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every moment possible for him, even when facing the enemy, even when addressing the enemy soldiers that want to kill him, that are here to take the blood of Imam al-Hussein, yeah. he will remind them Remember of Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa ta'ala. Yeah. And he will tell them, you still have an opportunity to change. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will still forgive you should you come to the path mm-hmm. of truth. Like, look at the mercy of Allah, even at that final. Although these soldiers have come out to kill Hussein, finish him off mm-hmm. and his family. Imam al-Hussein is telling, still telling them, Allah will forgive you if you change sides. Mm-hmm. Yani, Go on, sorry. No, 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 no. I, it's just, it's you know, the passion you're speaking with is completely true, and it's important for us to understand that the holy, the holy Imam, in in his initial offset, when he left and headed towards Iraq, modern day Iraq, we know from his will to Muhammad ibn Hanafiya mm. that he repeats again and again and again and again the vision for Al Haq. Yes. And Haq is the defining and the ultimate goal of the Imam. Mm. When we say, for example, many of the phrases we use today when we transmit and translate the message of the Holy Imam to non-Muslims, we say the Imam stood against oppression. We, dis- we say the Imam fought for justice. We say the Imam stood against the dictator of his time. Many of these concepts today are relative. They yeah. are subjective. They're not objective. Mm. Because in a day and age where people misgender each other and where you have different concepts of morality and different concepts of halal and haram and haram and halal it becomes pointless to say this guy was an oppressor because someone else he might be a freedom fighter but what is objective what will never change is god's law allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and al-haq and you're talking about islah al-deen the reformation of the religion of the holy prophet muhammad this is something that is timeless is non-malleable it can't be changed, amended, added to, or removed from. And the idea was that the Holy Imam continued this in his pursuit of finding haq. There's from, if you don't mind, from the will of uh, the Holy Imam to Muhammad ibn Hanafi. And it's interesting that he wrote this will, knowing, of course, that he was going to lose his life. Mm. But he says, I have not taken up arms in order to make merry or for entertainment. Or to be ecstatic over what I possess. I'm not making mischief nor am I exercising oppression. But I am ready to fight for the sole goal of seeking 
reformation of the ummah of my grandfather, the apostle of Allah. I want to enjoin good and forbid evil and guide the affairs of the people as my grandfather and my father Ali ibn Abi Talib were doing. One who accepts me with truth, Almighty Allah is more deserving for truth and one who objects against me, I shall be patient on it so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may judge between me and these people. He is the best of judges. This is obviously a short excerpt from the will of the awaited uh, from, uh, from the holy imam. And it's interesting to understand that haq was the defining factor for the imam. And if the imam, Hussein al-Mini wa anamin al-Hussein, yeah. if the imam says this, in, in retrospect, that means the Holy Prophet would have said the same thing. And if he's saying, I am with Haq and those who are against me are with falsehood, then there's no dispute. It's, it should be clear as day to understand. No, you're very right. And, and, and it's a very important point that you just raised is that when the Imam is talking, Rasulullah is talking. Yeah. Because, you know, when we come to the Ahlul Bayt, our Holy Imam, our 12 Imams, there has never been a single contradiction with their grandfather Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and it's clear and the teachings are the same so if we, if we want to say you know who who has the, the the correct sunnah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam are the Ahlul Bayt yeah. without shadow without because you know Yazid we'll give, let, let's, let's go back being Ashura let's yeah. bring up Yazid for a moment yeah, yeah. okay Yazid claimed to be Amir al-Mu'mineen of his time he claimed to be the rightful I don't know, caliph at the time to rule the Muslim Ummah in the name of Muhammad, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, ultimately in the name of Allah. Mm. And, 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 and the, the beautiful difference that it's so clear to everyone is, is, is that you cannot mistake haq and batil here. Yeah. Because you have a man like Yazid, who historically narrated everywhere, was openly a fasiq. Yeah. He would openly sin. Yeah. He was an adulterer. On top of that, on top of that, he used to lead salah prayers in mm-hmm. the state of drunkenness. Mm-hmm. He was drunk and leading fajr prayers. So there's a huge clear difference already if you see historically Yazid and his life. And on top of that, just one thing I want to mention. If, if, if you really want to know, they say, you know, if, if you want to know who you are, look at the five closest friends to you. And you've said this example many times. Mm. Who was the closest friend to Yazid? A monkey. Mm. By the name of Qais. I'm not making this up. Yeah, and I don't want fact. anyone to think that I'm fact. joking. I really, genuinely want you with an open heart to go check everything that I'm saying about Yazid. Yeah, because you cannot fact. take Yazid as your leader. Mustahil. When you have Abu Abdullah. Mm. And we know of Yazid in his younger years. When obviously in the younger years when Muawiyah was uh, governor of Sham. If I'm not mistaken, when Umar ibn al-Khattab was, was, uh, was Khalifa. Mm. Muawiyah was in Sham, if I'm mm. not mistaken, at the time. Yazid in his younger years at the time was under the teacher who was a Christian preacher. I think it was, was the time advisor. of Uthman. Was it the time of Uthman? I may, be, I may be wrong. Mm. But from what we understand, Yazid spent many of his younger years outside of the realms of Islam. And of course, in his late years, in these years when, when Muawiyah died, and obviously it was then the, 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 the Khilafah was put in, wrongfully put into the hands of Yazid. Even those people in governance at the time, which were by the way at that time went against the treaty signed with Imam Al Hassan. Correct, yeah. And there was so much revolt even internally that who's this guy? He's an idiot. His dad was a politician, mm. although spiteful and you know all sorts of disgraceful things that Muawiyah did. But Yazid himself is an open idiot. This is what the, the common knowledge was, and of course the 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 real tactical, um, uh, like the evil genius of Karbala, a lot of it was obviously 
orchestrated by Ibn Ziyad and then from you know from Kufa and then on the ground in Karbala, Umar ibn Sa'ad and Shimr and obviously a lot of the foot soldiers as well. But there's a chain and there's a hierarchy of um complete levels of evil in different forms. I would also advise for anyone who's listening at home to check out um a series we did um on Ahlul Bayt TV with Father Christopher Klahesi mm. a couple of years ago. I had the opportunity to to speak with him and he is an absolutely amazing speaker. For those who don't know him, inshallah, we'll get him onto the podcast one time. But he's a a, a teacher of Shi'i studies in Arabic in the Vatican in in Rome, and his primary focus is talking about Karbala and Imam Hussein. And he's done an in-depth biography and analysis of Sayyidina Fatima Zahra, Bibi Zainab alayhi salam. And of course, um, he does a lot of work on the the enemies behind Karbala, pre, during, and post Karbala as well. Really, really good stuff. So, such a Christopher Klehesi is his name. Check it out on YouTube and also his work online as well, um, his books and whatnot. But, um, you know, this is this is the really important thing because then you have two sides of the coin. Yeah. You have the, those who are Ahl al the Imam who was raised in the house of purity. His father was Ali ibn Abi Talib and his mother was Fatima al Zahra. And this is a man who was, was raised alongside Imam al Hassan, Bibi Umm Kulthum, and Bibi Zainab, alayhum salam. And his 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 life is underappreciated prior to Karbala. All of the things he did throughout his life. A lot we mentioned on the podcast before, a lot of people always point to the one incident in his youth where he's doing wudu and he teaches an old man to do wudu with Imam Hassan. The Imam had years of khidmah and service to the Ummah. And it's a shame that we only take heed of his actions at mm. his death. Even his death teaches us lessons, but his life obviously teaches us many, many more. But you've got two sides of the coin, and obviously, like I said earlier, in, in this will to uh, his brother Muhammad ibn Hanafiya, he says, Oh, my brother, even if there's no refuge in this world, I will never ever give bay'ah to Yazid ibn Muawiyah. Mm. Which goes to show that Imam didn't care for his salvation in the dunya. A man like me mm. will never give allegiance to a man, a man like, like Yazid. Yazid. And, it, and it just shows you, and, and for someone to say that sort of statement, you really had to be raised. Under the arms of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and mm-hmm. we see that connection evidently in history, everywhere. The relationship Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam had with his grandson, his beloved grandson. He used to call Hussein his son, not his mm-hmm. grandson. Waladi al Hussein. He used to call him my own son, Hussein and Minni, wa min Hussein. And the most beautiful saying I love about this is, "Habballah man habba Husayna." You know that gives my heart so much peace that I know God. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can love me because I love Imam al-Hussein. How beautiful is that? How beautiful is that? And you know, another thing that I find so amazing about about, about Rasulullah and Imam al-Hussein, you know, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he used to go to the mosque and he used to deliver sermons, there were times during the sermons where he would get Imam al-Hussein and sit him on his lap Mm. and he would deliver. I, I, I think that's more than just love. That's him saying truly Hussein is from me mm-hmm. and I am from Hussein. And, and it's telling everyone there seeing this, you know, sitting down and seeing Aba Abdullah in the laps of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And then eventually, you know, we see a, a, a place on Ashura on the 10th of Muharram where there's someone else sitting on the chest of Imam Hussein sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. There's a point where, you know, and this is a point where Sayyidah Zainab stands on the tell. You know when you go to Karbala and Iraq, near the shrine 
of Imam Hussein السلام, there's a point where it's called Tell Zainabi. Mm. This is the point that's known in history where she stood and she saw what happened to Imam Hussein You know? So Salam this 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 is not an easy thing for a sister to see. Let alone the daughter of Amir al Mu'mineen, let alone the granddaughter of Rasulullah, the daughter mm-hmm. of Fatima mm-hmm. al Zahra, you know? And if it wasn't easy for her, and she saw beauty in this, she saw beauty in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from Karbala. How about us? Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm sure, Ahmed, if you read or hear or sit in a majlis like we have been, and many of us watching, listening to After Maghrib podcast, are in a majlis. Or we've been to a majlis or we're about to listen to a majlis. There's going to be a point during that lecture, before the eulogies, before you go do Martin, before you go do Noha, before you start your Azadari, there's going to be Masaib mm-hmm. where they're going to narrate, you know, certain tragedy on that day. They're going to dedicate a certain, you know, um, important figure that we take and learn lessons from in Karbala. What happens to the heart? I want to know because. Imam Hussein had the softest of hearts mm. and there's nothing that can soften a heart for us mm. like the musiba of Abdullah. Why is it important to cry for Imam Hussein? You know, there's that saying, Imam Hussein salam gave his heart to Allah and in return Allah gave millions of hearts to the Imam. And when one opens his heart to the Holy, mm. wit, uh, the holy Imam salam, the heart softens and it finds an opportunity to receive all of the message and all of the guidance that the Holy Imam intended for us to receive. The tears that we shed for the Holy for, I keep saying the Holy Awaits, the tears that we shed for the Holy Imam السلام, are tears which we should never underestimate its its value and its importance. And there's so many, there's dozens and dozens of a hadith, I, I was looking earlier at at least 40 hadith. I'll mention one or two if you don't mind. Please. There's a hadith from the Holy Prophet Muhammad in uh, Mustadrak al-Wasail, volume 10, page 318, where he says, Surely there exists in the hearts of the Mu'mineen, with respect to the martyrdom of al Hussein salam, a heat that never subsides. And you think about it, that when the Holy Prophet is saying that your heart will be full, your heart will be warm, when it comes to Al-Hussein then your heart will be open to reformation. And of course, we know from, from Rasatul um, Al-Hukuq, uh, and of course in the Holy Quran, that the heart in Islam is the, the gateway towards connection and obedience to Allah So inshallah, we can think about this when we, when we sit in the musibah. We should never, ever underestimate the power of these nights, and especially the moments of musibah. Sayyidah Fatima Zahra, sallallahu alayhi Inshallah, sitting amongst us, and to be able to shed a fly's wing of a tear for well, the Imam. They say a tear the size of, uh, you know, the wing of a mosquito. Correct, a mosquito. Yeah. Yeah. And you know that that small tear, Inshallah, will be intercession for us. Inshallah, it will cool us on Yom Al Qiyamah, in the heat and uh, with the nar. You know, and, and Inshallah, that will that will act as an intercession for us. And and let me just say one last thing. What I have found, at least on a personal level, is that as a as a man, crying in this day and age has become taboo, and um, it's sometimes in even in other schools of Islam is seen as a form of weakness. Mourning a death is seen as weakness. Mourning a death for an extended period period is is weak. On the contrary, one should never 
ever stop crying for Imam Hussein. And shedding a tear for the Imam will give you masculinity, it will give you hope. And if the, for me alone, if the, there's one thing that can bring me to tears, it's the Imam's story. Mm. So um, we have to take it seriously. There's an akhlaq and there's an etiquette that we must observe when sitting in Masaib and, and when we perform azat. As a diary in itself is, uh, is I feel it's wajib on us. Mourning the Imam is wajib on us. You know the the we we have there's a tendency to fall into the trap during the ten nights of 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 um, harm to become intellectuals and academics and it is it is but, it's but a, the ultimate aim of these ten nights is mm. what said it's mourning it's grief. You know we talked about this. Um, inshallah, we will talk about this with. Um, with one of our forthcoming guests, but there's a hadith from Imam al-Qadim mm. where it said that from the first night of Muharram until the tenth eve or the, the day of Ashura, he seemed to be in a state of huzun, in absolute grief, no state of joy or happiness, complete grief to the point of extreme sadness. Mm. And we think about it, there's many of us who at times will be in majalis and will be in a state of mourning, and then during the day we're in school or in work and we're our normal selves with our colleagues and we don't even make an effort to explain why to our colleagues we are wearing black if we even do that at work mm. or why we are not in a joyful mood like we usually are. I'm thinking about it already. Um, we are recording this podcast obviously the night before Maharam begins and I'm thinking about talking to my colleagues about it, how I will portray this to my colleagues mm. because Imam Hussein is for all. He's not just for us, he's for all. Of course his message was Tawheed, in essence, but his uh, his method is for all. Absolutely, it is. Imam Hussein is definitely for all. Hundred and ten percent, he is for all. Because you know, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, when He wants to people to come to Islam, Islam is open for all. Yeah. And a lot of people, you know, we see. Uh, well, the reason why I say Islam is for all because I have seen so much conversions and reversions happen yeah where they where people come towards islam come towards the path of the ahlul bayt through the martyrdom of imam al-hussein because you can you, it's it's impossible for the rock not to cry yeah it's if, if 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 we can say you know it rained blood from the sky honestly your heart your heart Something happens to it, and mourning Imam Al Hussein is 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 not just emotional. I think it's spiritual, because yeah. you feel some sort of connection to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. You know, a lot of people they say, you know, I'm just doing this for Imam Hussein. Ultimately, this is taking us closer to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Mm. Because sometimes we can say, you know, um, some some of the um, the azadari or some of the mourning that we do are signs from Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. There is a verse so I don't remember exactly on top of my head. But if we go back to our holy imams, you know, they say, man ahya amrana. Mm. You know, may Allah have mercy on the ones who revive, revive our, our teachings mm. or revive, you know, what happened to us, revive, you know, speak good of us, all of these things. And this is the same form as majalis, for example. Yes. When we hold a majlis for Imam Hussein, what are we doing? We are reviving their teachings. Sahih. We are reviving and reminding everyone, you know, the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But ultimately, I think what's beautiful about Muharram and morning is these tears. Like mm. you said, you know, people say, Real men don't cry. No, 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 no. Oh, Come to Karbala. Come to Karbala and you see yes, the true men. Of course, of because course. you see men mm-hmm. as men. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. 110%. And, you know, we, we know Imam Zain al-Abideen, Imam al-Sajjad, there's, there's, there's narrations that, you know, after Karbala and after going to Sham and then after, 
you know, leaving um, Yazid's palace and going back to, I think it was Medina. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, you know, there was always a time where he will be with the public. Yeah. He'll be with the, you know, the Muslims there around him. And whenever they come to the Imam, he would cry. He would cry. Okay. So if the Imam is crying, why shouldn't we cry? Mm -hmm. And he says, I cry because not just because my father was killed. I cry because my father was killed in the most brutal of ways. And if Rasulullah cried for Imam al Hussein years prior to his martyrdom, huh? That's a sunnah. It's a sunnah to cry for Imam al Hussein. And what's more beautiful about these tears? You're asking me. I'm asking you. Well, I mean, you said something which I liked about spirituality that uh, the martyrdom of the Imam is spiritual. Mm -hmm. You know, the thing is, the difference between a revolutionary and a reformer is what? A revolutionary comes with the intention to change, to free the physical shackles from people. A reformer comes, they conduct a revolution, and then they change the shack, free the shackles of people's minds and hearts. Mm. Imam Hussain was not just a revolutionary, he was a reformer. And we say that the Imam spiritually and politically reformed the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren, Imam al-Baqir, Imam al-Sadiq, they conducted then the intellectual reformation, al-Thawr al-Thaqafiyya. And when we talk about that, we understand that Karbala was a success in the sense that when the Holy Imam says, Islah al-Din al-Rasul, the reformation of the religion of his grandfather, he had to, he had to do this. It was wajib on him. And he knew in that moment in time, my grandfather would have done this, my father would have done this. And of course we know that if this is how uh, one imam acted, then all of the imams in the same position would have done the same thing. Just because the later imams or the early imam al-Hassan or whoever we're discussing was not at Karbala and Imam Hussein was, does not mean that one imam was braver than the other or one was more politically inclined and one was more reserved. It doesn't work like that. The, the ultimate goal is Tawheed and then the practice of it was the practice that the Rasulullah Muhammad mm. would have done himself. So the revolution of Karbala is one thing, the reformation of our hearts and minds, millions of people now, over a thousand years later, is more important, I think. Yeah. You know, Karbala yeah. is eternal. It's timeless. It's never ending. It's never ending. It's literally. never ending love. Ascent. And you know, there's no way, I find it really ignorant when people just pigeonhole uh, Ashura into a political dispute, one of one of dozens of early Islamic battles that happened in the early days. Bro, you know they say, you know there's um there's a historian, I forget her first name. Her her, her surname is Hazard. Okay, or Hazard. She's a like Jenny Hazard or something like that. She's it was very interesting what she said. She wrote a biography on the Holy Prophet Muhammad. She said they said the golden years of Islam came after the death. How can the golden years of Islam come after the death of, the, of, of Rasul when they killed his grandson 50 years later? And imagine the, the, all the obstacles which the Imam had to face. Imam Ali, Imam Hassan and Imam Hussain In the build-up, post the death of the Holy Prophet Muhammad and in the build-up to Karbala, everything they had to face. And people dare say that these are the golden, the golden era of Islam. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense to me. It doesn't, it doesn't. And you know, just, just to add on to something here, you know, I came across a clip, a, sh a very, very short clip. It was about nine or 10 minutes long by a very famous, huge public figure from our brothers, from Ahl Sunnah and Jama'ah, you know, mm. and he was touching on the tragedy and the killing of Imam Hussein alayhi salam. And you know, I was listening. I was like, you know what? Let me hear this. You know, the, the video got recommended to me on YouTube. 
Mufti Mank, I'll say it out there. You can watch it if you want. And I was like, you know what? Wow, okay, Mufti Mank is going to talk about Imam Hussein. I was, you know, fair enough, fair play. You know, yeah. alhamdulillah, someone's speaking the truth, maybe. I don't know. But nine minutes in, all he's talking about is fasting on Ashura. Wow. Okay. And the final, and the, my point is, it was titled The Martyrdom, the Killing of Imam Hussein. And the final minute or two, which was 10 to 15% of, of the entire thing, he was like, you know, Imam Al Hussein, he went to Karbala, you know, there was a dispute, there was like a political thing going on, and he called the entire thing a fitna. And he goes, you know what, at the end of the day, he said, at the end of the day, Imam Al Hussein, he believes in La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah, and the army that went against him believes in La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. And the army that went against him and killed Imam al Hussein. The fact they believe in the kalama, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala might forgive them. Wow. That was shocking. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and you, 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 you could not mention the name. Number one, he didn't even mention that person by name. I'll mention him, Yazid ibn Muawiyah yeah. and, and, and Ko. You know, yeah. the, 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 the entire party of Shaytan. Yeah, yeah. You know, Imam Hussein, alhamdulillah, he's from the party of Allah. Mm. Hezbollah. Mm-hmm. Yazid from Hezb Shaytan. Mm-hmm. Honestly. Mm. Honest to God, yeah. And these tears, the, the 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 thing is, the moment they mention or narrate what happened to Imam Al Hussein or the story of Ashura know, or the story of Karbala, the, the entire crowd is gonna break. Yeah, yeah. Their hearts are gonna shake because yeah. when you hear what happened to Imam Al Hussein, it is impossible as a Muslim, as a man, as a human being, not to allow a single tear to go down your cheek. Mm. This is the fear. This is what they fear. We say what happened to Imam Al Hussein. Questions have nothing arise. to gain. Ah, Honestly. Questions arise. Question. A, lot questions. a lot How of questions. How did this happen? And what brought this? And know? this is why I feel they stop yeah. at Imam al Hussein at a very young age. Because yeah, the yeah, moment yeah. you continue to talk about Imam al Hussein's life, mm. as he gets older, what happens? Haq and Fatil. Yeah, they revealed. stop at the point where the Holy Prophet died when the Imam was a young age, at mm. a young age. Mm. Imam was how old? 10 or so when the Holy Prophet passed away. And at that point, the biography of Rasul da- uh, ends when he dies, and nothing else matters. Uh, and Al Hassan and Al Hussein, salam, are known as the children. Radiyallahu Yeah, and this is why they are, you know, say the Shabab Ahl Jannah because they are the youth and they were children when the Holy Prophet was. Bro, this is an injustice to the Imam. This is an injustice to the Ahlul Bayt. An injustice to the Ahlul Bayt is an injustice to the Quran, which goes symbiotically hand in hand with each other. And an injustice to either, if not both of these two entities, is an injustice to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And to, to say, you know, the the final point I want to make, and just inshallah, like, you know, there's a lot in these coming nights. I know I, I really wanted to talk about how to approach these nights and whatnot. But there's one thing I, I really want to say. Um, it hit me today, you know, I was listening to a lecture and... I said Matthew Madarasi it was really really cool he mentioned a story from like five six years ago he said there's a Nat- NASA telescope the the Hubble or Humble or something telescope mm. the most powerful telescope in the world today technology wise the most amazing he said that there's a the most famous photograph that this telescope has captured is a picture of a thousand dots mm. each dot he says doesn't represent a planet or a planetary system it represents a galaxy and each galaxy has 200 billion stars. Mm. So you have a thousand dots with 200 billion stars within each dot being a galaxy. And the, those at NASA has said it's equivalent mathematically to if you extend your arm and hold a needle at the end of your hand, that small needle is that picture 
Mm. And the whole of the arm is what remains uncovered from the observable universe today. Now, let me pose this question to you. This is what we in our small humble minds understand in this day and age. Now, amongst all of this, the creator of the universe, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that we know from a hadith, we know from the hadith of the Holy Prophet, uh, the best of people are those who are most beneficent to the creator and his creations. The holy imam alayhi salam, he gave everything in servitude to the creator. Mm. And the creator had that special relationship with the imam. He said to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I would give you more, take more. When Ali Asghar alayhi salam was, had the arrow shot in his neck, he said, Ya Allah, even in this state, if I had more to give you, take from me. I'm here, I'm willing to sacrifice more. Take whatever you want from me. Mm. Take my life, take whatever you want. And you think about it, that this is true love. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we know du'a Abu Hamza, Thumali, um, that there is, we, we're told in the du'a that Allah is so self-sufficient, he doesn't need himself even. If, the, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is self-sufficient, he doesn't need the, the uh, uh, du'a and worship from us. And he doesn't even need Karbala, Imam Hussein doesn't need to give his life for Allah's sustenance and Allah's mm. existence. But what is important is that we understand that we need Allah. And Imam Hussein is not doing it for, for us in this day and age. He's doing it for Allah. Ultimately, the most important thing that we have to observe in these 10 nights and inshallah beyond in this season and inshallah in, in, the, in the coming months until next year is love from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Tawheed and understanding of Al-Haq. If we create a connection between these three entities, love that Allah has given us, mm. understanding the mission of Tawheed and understanding the mission of Haq, in my opinion, this is, this is what I feel will allow us to grasp what the Imam was trying to do. All of that cliche stuff about a fighting oppression, great, really cool if you want to talk academically to a modern day university student. Mm. But as Muslims, as Shia, we have to understand that number one, he did it for God, and that was that's it. You know, there's there's no if buts and maybes. He did it for this. Yeah, he did it. He didn't want to give uh, bayat to Yazid, but more than that, he didn't want to give bayat to Yazid because he knew he stood against everything godly. So, my my only request upon myself is that I take heed of this and I do I don't do an injustice to the grand occasion, which is Majalis al Hussein. You know, I don't abuse the right and I don't take the, for granted the blessing and the status of being called uh, a Shia of Abu Abdullah Hussein. And inshallah, we can live up to that. You know, it's like such a pressure, but like such a blessing to be in these days. No, it's very true. And you know, as Shia, I think now, you know, we are in Muharram and we have to remember as much as we say Imam al-Hussein, he is our Imam. Mm. Truly Imam al-Hussein is our Imam. And you know, if we were there and he was here, would we be the same as we are today? Because mm. we have to factor in, you know, if we want to say we are from the Shia of Ali and his children, if we are from the Shia of Hussein, if we are on the path of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, are we praying? If Imam Hussein was able to establish Salah in Karbala, he was able to, you know, still there, still stay still with all his companions and, you know, ensuring 
Salah was done regardless of the arrows coming, regardless of the enemies charging, regardless of any of this, he still managed to do Salah. And I say this to myself, when I'm talking about Salah, I'm not telling anyone to go pray. I say this to myself first before I say it to anyone else. But if we are from the Shia of Hussein, Imam Hussein went to pray. If we are from the Shia of Hussein, what's our relationship with the Quran? Because we know that after Karbala, when Imam al Hussein's head was raised on a spear and it was paraded from city to city, it was narrating. His blessed lips were still speaking and saying the holy words of the Quran. Imam al Hussein was still uttering the noble Quran, even whilst his head is on a spear. So, as Shia, we have to, you know, make sure that Muharram is something more than just mourning and crying and lamenting and chest beating. Don't get me wrong, this chest, inshallah, we beat it until we die. Because mm -hmm. this, uh, there, there was someone who sat on the chest of Allah and said, this is something we're never going to forget. Mm -hmm. But what's in our chest? Our heart. If we're beating our chest, is our hearts clear of arrogance? If we're beating our chest, is our hearts clear of ego? If we're beating our chest, is our hearts clear of hate? Mm. If we're beating our, our chest, is our hearts on the path of truth? Mm. These are so much questions I have to ask myself. And inshallah, it's a reminder to everyone. <coughs> but more importantly, and something so, 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 so sincere that I want to really want to say, it's Fatima al-Zahra, alayha. You know, when we go to a majlis, mm. she's there. She sees us walking in, and she sees us walking out. Mm. When we walk in and we, we sit down in a lecture and we hear the Messiah, when we walk out, let's stay the same. Let's not change. Mm. Last year, we spoke about part-time Muslims. Mm. I don't know if you remember this episode we did where we titled the part-time Muslims. You know, yeah. uh, we, we don't want to say, say, say we're better than anyone, mm. but let's be more than just 10 nights Muslims. Because yes, yes. Fatima al-Zahra is watching and we know Fatima's connection with Imam al-Hussein. Because when Rasulullah, I'll leave at this final point, when Rasulullah told Fatima, السلام, what's going to happen to her son she told him you know if you are saying Rasulullah she was talking to her father if you are saying that people that claim to be from your ummah are the ones who are going to kill my son who's going to mourn for him who's going to remember him who's going to cry over him who's going to hold majalis for him all of these things do you know what Rasulullah told her he said Fatima Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will create Shia of Hussein who will mourn Hussein forever. Yeah, and we see this clear everywhere, Ahmed, because you can go to any country in the world. You can go to all seven continents. You see the flag of Labekaya Hussein on top of almost every house. If not in the house, in the house of the believers. Mm. Assalamu alaikum ya Abdullah. Um say thank you so much. Um you are on fire today. No, I, I, I am, I, yeah. and it, it's not. I'm on fire because I'm angry. Your and, heart, and, and your not, heart. I know. It, 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 it today, you know, out today I saw, I saw the flag change. Yeah. And you know, we it that, hits you when you watch the flag change, Habibi. Yeah, yeah. That's it. It's finished. It's finished. There is no watching, way like you can be normal. I was watching the live stream as mm. well, and um, in Karbala, and it just, it just rips your heart to shreds. How we yearn to be in Karbala. These nights, inshallah, we're granted visitation, inshallah, with uh, with a pure heart and with a willingness to change, with a willingness to mourn for the Imam and be able to serve the Imam of our time. Um, for those who follow us on Instagram, you guys will know that we asked a question earlier today. Um, well, when you by the time you listened to us a few days ago, 
asking why Karbala and Ashura remains relevant today. And I promised I'd give you guys a few shout outs. You can probably see on my phone, here we are, like so many, mashallah, responses. And it's only been if, like maybe three, four hours since we put this out. I'm just going to read a couple um, and just give you guys an understanding why you think Karbala and Ashura is still relevant today. Rashid695, to reflect between good and evil. Hakima Mahzain, because they represent the struggle and against oppression and tyranny. Montazur B, Karbala gives us a framework to develop our communities against the fast-moving Western society. Ten lectures every year, but we need to take lessons about youth, marriage, hijabs, loyalty, etc. Sister Romina Hashmani, it resets our moral compass, reminds us of our purpose, softens our heart for change. The values shown by each of the personalities on the battlefield are guiding points for what we should be. If I asked why it wasn't relevant, why it isn't relevant, I wouldn't be able to answer. Its relevance is in our veins and it fuels us. It's hundreds here. Someone else says without Imam Hussein and the tragedy of Karbala, we would have had the wrong version of Islam. Someone else says drops of berries because... Through the majlis, lectures, recites, charities, blood donations, acts of services, justice will always be served. No matter how long, justice will fight till it reaches the righteous. And I'll just mention one or two more, say maybe you've seen some you like. Have you got it open? No, no, no I just closed. I closed the I'll, app. I'll mention one or two more because there's so many. Said Abdullah Naqib, a good friend of ours. The echo mm. of Imam Hussein's call should awaken us to prepare for Imam al-Mahdi. And one last one. Um... From Sha'il 110, every day is Ashura, every land is Karbala. If Karbala wouldn't have happened, we wouldn't have After Maghrib po- oh, I didn't know this. After Maghrib podcast today, and all of our lives would be very different from what we know. Ahsentum. Jazakallah khair. And thank you to everyone for all of your contributions. And inshallah, we learn together. We, we're on a journey of growth. Um, and we just pray that these coming nights are, are nights of, of change and, and more than just reflection. Reflection is a starting point for change. Of course, we know how much reflection is spoken about with a view to being uh, a, a trigger for change in our personal lives, a catalyst for growth in our personal and our spiritual lives. We mentioned earlier, we mentioned again, these are nights of spirituality and inshallah, nights of mourning and grief for us all. Say any last words before we wrap up? Just hold on to Hussein. Hussain. Honest to God, because Hussein is one of those ropes that you can hold on and lean on to take it towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you yeah. know, very famously, the Ahlul Bayt say we are all the arcs of salvation. But the arc of Imam al Hussein is wider and faster towards Allah. Inshallah, we're all aboard that arc, brothers and sisters. Thank you for tuning in, and we will be back with you in a few days, inshallah. Please remember us in your du'as if you have any opportunity. Um, Sayyid's family, my own family, um, and inshallah, that the, the whole team at uh, Ahlul Bayt TV and after Maghrib uh, are able to serve in the way we want to. Everyone here behind the scenes is working crazy hours um um to help with different majalis especially in london and you know we ask allah to reward them for all of the khidmah ilahi ameen um but yeah we will see you in a few days stay tuned we'll speak soon assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh